The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 272 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How's your um, environment right now? Is it clean or messy? Uh, Oh, it's messy. I just moved. But actually, (laughs) so we are talking about we're talking about the messes of motherhood today, the really messy messes. And we had so much fun planning this episode. It's just really going to be, what would you say, a celebration, a um, a Uh, send up? (laughs) A reflection. Uh, yes. Yeah, we're talking about all kinds of different uh, types of messes that you encounter in motherhood. We're going to tell some funny stories. Um, and maybe if you're a new mom, really, you have no idea about the messes that are. You just don't know what's ahead <laughs> of you. No, you're still you really in... don't. Although you're probably you're sitting probably in a pile right. of goo right now. You are so... in that wonderful it just, first it... phase of messes like bodily fluids. Part one. I'm not going to say it gets better. It gets yeah. it gets different. Um, But can we also talk about something else related to my environment and make it about me for a second before we talk about messes? Sure. So I am in my new house, which listeners have been probably hearing me talk about moving for weeks now, but we know it does. It does take weeks. Um, I have an office. We have an office in this new house. Brian and I share a home office. He will be working remotely. I don't know, indefinitely, like, like forever. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of a his and hers office. It's off of our bedroom. We've never had an office as long as we've, you know, for the last like 10 years. And so it's kind of fun to set it up. We got two secondhand desks. The point of all this is I'm recording in a new space, new to me. Um, and this is my foreseeable future as a podcaster. I have a room with a door that closes and I don't have to sit you know, in my bed or pre COVID, I I sat at my kitchen table, but everyone was out of the house and there's no, there's no times at which everyone's out of the house right now. So yeah, that is an upgrade. You want to, it's funny is that in my new home that I've been in now for five months or six, so it's not even really new anymore. There is a room that I could be using to record in and I'm still recording in bed. (laughs) Maybe I should take a tip. No, I actually (laughs) really enjoyed recording from bed, which would have been March through July of this year. Um, as soon as stay at home started, I, I never recorded at my kitchen table again. And I always recorded in bed at the old house. Um, and I actually really loved it. I was comfortable. I had my groove down. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing against recording in bed, but something feels grown up and profesh about the fact that I have a little desk and my mic stand and, yeah, spent some time with our sound engineer yesterday. I'm sure. I don't know if you have really, um, if you have good professionally attuned ears, you might hear little differences when we switch places and move houses and it's just part of, part of the gig. So here we are. Yeah. All right. So are you ready to talk about messes? I I think so. Yes. We're going to get gross. Maybe we're going to get gross (laughs) today. Yeah. Um, so I have kind of just like an opening (laughs) check-in question. I want you to tell me 
one type of motherhood mess that you deal with right now in the stage of life and motherhood that you're in right now. And then one from the past that just sticks in your mind as something mm. that you just, that was really triggering or that just like you kind of shudder when you think back. Okay. So right, right now it's kind of like a, like a combination of rappers and random socks. And I don't know who the sock, <laughs> it's not a bandit. It's like the opposite of a bandit. A bandit would take the socks. This is like a sock like a, like an evil sock fairy who's just always leading like wadded up socks everywhere, but just random. Like sometimes there, are, sometimes there's double socks that I've like, they've worn two pair of socks and then both took them both off at once. And where are and they? Where do you them, find them? Like in the cracks of the sofa, right under the sofa, under the table, sometimes on the table. I found one outside by the pool. Like I really don't understand, like just, just everywhere. And rappers, I feel like um, older kids, especially, they just feel that throwing away wrappers is totally optional. Right. Or maybe they think <laughs> they'll get to it later. Um, <laughs> the other thing in this house, so there's just, especially like granola bar wrappers, things like that, like those little silvery wrappers yep, yep. are just everywhere. And then um, in the old house, I got in the habit of letting the kids eat in their bedrooms because the house was teeny. There really wasn't a good spot to hang out and eat. And also because I could do a sweep of that house twice a day and it was like, it was so small that I could be, I could be in the kitchen. I could take four steps, poke my head into the boys' room, look around, be like, guys, get those, you know, those dishes and bring them out here. And I did that a couple times a day. And so it was never a problem. But in this house, every room is so far from the kitchen and I'm not poking my head in as much. And they're not really supposed to be eating in their bedrooms, but they mm -hmm. are. And then they're not bringing the dishes back down and I'm not getting them out. So I'm like, I'm always out of forks. Yeah. Oh, I'm always yeah. down a few plates. And then when I go look, I'm like, guys, you can't, we're going to have vermin. <laughs> like we, you can't leave food lying around. So those are three that I think are very classic, like parents of teenager type um, and older kids type messes. And the one, if I had to say the one that was most triggering from when they were little, it was vomit. Like when I think how long it's been since I've heard that sound that kids make in the middle of the night, right before they mm -hmm. throw up. Sometimes mm -hmm. in bed with me, like they'd be sick oh, and get gosh. in my bed. And then I'd hear that. And then I'd be like, no. And they all made a slightly different sound. But like you become attuned to your kids pre puke uh -huh. sound. Like some of my kids held their breath and some would like whine and like thrash around a lot. And when my kids were little, it was it was a cry, but it was a type of whimper cry that you were like, wait, something's about. To yes. Yes. They knew something yeah. really was about to go very wrong. And I just have memories of a phase of life where like vomit was just, I just got used to it. Like I would sleep with towels all packed around the, like the kid would be in my bed and I'd have towels all around them, towel under the, my head and theirs. Cause I just knew I was going to get thrown up on. And it was no better if they threw up in their own bed. Cause then I had to still go in there and, and it would still get all over me. So oh, it's everyone now is in the phase where they almost always get to the toilet. No, that is, it's a game changer, game changer. Well, uh, something we're dealing with right now that's kind of exacerbated by being in a new house is just they just drop their sweatshirts and their shoes like in the <laughs> middle of the path. It's like you would think that they were kidnapped, like like aliens came down and pulled them out of their hoodie and shoes and just left it wherever they were because it's they're not even like off in a corner. They're just right. in the middle of a walkway. Um, we don't wear socks this time of year. They're in flip flops or like native sneakers or something. but because we're in a new house, there's not even like, they don't even know where to attempt to aim. 
Um, We don't really have like our drop zones set yet. Uh, This house is funny because we like 50 50 come in through the garage or the front door, which means you kind of have like you're not always on the same path when you come in and out. And yeah, so it's just dropping your things in the middle of wherever you are and then me being the one to pick it up, I guess, or, or call them back over. And and then, like I said, we don't necessarily have designated drop zones yet, so it's kind of kind of made worse. Another not kid related mess, but maybe other Californians or other elsewhere people can relate is we have ants in our kitchen right now. Do you get ants in Michigan? Oh, we have ants. Yeah. Yes. But they get, but they come in weird places. Sometimes they'll be in like the bathroom. Sometimes they're in my, they were in my bedroom, but right before I went on vacation, I left ant traps everywhere. Yeah. We haven't had, we haven't had the horrible, like where you open up like a box of crackers and there's like 10,000 like infestation. We haven't had it super gross yet, but there's always just like a small trail of them. And we've, we had them in Orange County on occasion too, but it's just, I think where we are now, it's more prevalent. So um, that's just feels kind of gross. It's like your kitchen can be clean. And then there's just like this little, but it doesn't trail feel of clean because you're just thinking yeah. about what those ants are yes. doing and where they're coming from. Um, I want to back up really quick and talk about yeah. the shoe thing mm-hmm. really quick. Okay. Cause I had a funny story about just this morning because teenagers also, we have a big <laughs> entry room and Clara is, has been since she was really little, the designated shoe organizer, because that's yes. a job a toddler can do. Mm-hmm. So she was always the one who would arrange the shoes. And finally, like in this big house, I'm not being as stringent about kids taking stuff to their rooms. Like it used to be when you come in, the only the pair of shoes that you're using right now can be by the front door. Yeah. And now it's like, whatever we all, there's room for two or three pairs of shoes. So Claire the other day was, you know, arranging shoes and she's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I looked and there was like a huge, probably like eight foot by, you know, four foot rectangle of shoes oh my taking up half this room. And I thought, yeah, okay, you're right. But anyway, sometimes I'll look and not recognize the shoes and so last night I went to bed at about, I don't know, 1130 maybe. And everybody else was already in bed. Um, there's only a couple of kids here right now. And William's one of them. He's been hanging out with me this week, but the other kids are with John. So I went to bed. And then this morning I came down and there's a random pair of shoes I don't recognize. Oh, right in the doorway between like the kitchen and the dining room area. Okay. They weren't there last night or I oh wouldn't have over them. <laughs> so I'm like, did, no one came in my house, I don't believe, last night, but where did these mystery shoes come from and who do they belong to? And why are they literally, it looks like one got kicked off straight and the other one's like at an angle. So they're not even, it's not even like a clean kickoff. I'm and did just, you solve this mystery or very, you still don't know? Not yet. No, I don't know. <laughs> and don't all know. the shoes in your house, except for Clara's, are man-sized. So it's like. And these are enormous man-sized yeah. shoes and I don't recognize them. They're not even. They're not even the type of shoes my kids wear. They're like those slides, like the rubbery slide on shoes. I don't know that any of my kids have those. Well, we'll if there's a man in your house somewhere that you're not aware (laughs) of right now, we'll we'll be sure to. That could be very exciting. We'll we'll be sure to update (laughs) listeners later. A man who just decided to leave his shoes right in the door. But that would be typical, wouldn't it? Stay tuned for the next installment. (laughs) Mystery man in Megan's house. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It is. The shoes keep getting bigger and the children do not approximate putting them away in any shape or form right now. Um, The triggering memory from the past that came to mind first for me was like, right when my oldest started getting into things like calico critters or um, littlest pet shop. Yeah. She she wasn't, but you know, there's things like that, or it might even be a little puzzle activity, anything where like the small pieces are meant to stay together so that you can play with that thing and be playing with that thing and all of its parts. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I think I just held on for too long to the illusion that I would be able to contain said small parts. And so then when I start finding them either strewn across the floor or maybe not in the, maybe like someone else, Brian might've helped clean up and dumped a bunch of stuff in a bin, but then that bin is made up of too many different assortments. And just for my brain that loves to like categorize, it just took a long time to let go of. So if you are in that phase right now, I see you. I eventually did just let go. Cause guess what? Kids don't care. Well, okay. Let me say that they might care. There might be a time where they're like, I have to have my calico critters, you know, like plaid jacket. And then that plaid jacket might be somewhere else, but that's okay. Like your kid will be okay. And kids play. It's great for them to play, you know, to combine activities and combine things. And, you know, the matchbox cars work with the Legos and it's, it's all going to be fine. But I think something that was triggering for me and was probably around the time that I also had a third kid. So like if, let's say I had like a five, three, an infant, I was just starting to be overrun with stuff because the five and the three had plenty of toys. They were starting to get into smaller things and more, you know, things that went together in that way. And I had a baby and I, you know, I was by myself all day, every day. And my husband traveled. And I, so I just have a memory of like having a really hard time letting that need to keep like with like letting that go. And then I also had a totally separate funny memory of when Reed was about three and a half or four, he learned to use scissors, um, like at preschool Mm -hmm. and he just had the little child scissors and he has always been really great about playing independently. He'd sit or stand at this little kid's size table we had in our main living area and he would just cut paper into 10,000 pieces. (laughs) And on the one hand he was occupied because again, the same phase where I had a baby, but on the other, I I just remember looking and being like, I am never going to clean up. I'm never going to get to all of those scraps of paper. I'm wearing this baby and I'm doing these million things. And I, I, I just remember feeling like it's a lost cause. I'm never going to pick up all those tiny pieces of paper. And they were too big to vacuum or sweep. It was yes. like, they were just like, if you picture cardstock and then just willy nilly cutting it into a thousand pieces. <laughs> so I have something to say about both of those. Okay. So <laughs> Clara did the same thing with the, with the little tiny scraps of paper and she did it. I mean, I would say she still does it because for her, it's art. she like, yeah, you know, she's always making something. Yeah, she's or, really good at that. It, it yeah. was like it was like meditative therapy or something. I called him, like, but like it was hands. still extremely messy. It was just everywhere. Um, scissor hands. That's funny because that reminds <laughs> me of the other day. Claire asked me about Edward Scissor Hands. Uh-huh. This is just a total aside. <laughs> but she said, "So tell me about Edward Scissor Hands." And I was like, "Honestly, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time." But I was trying to piece it together. I'm like, "You know, this guy and he's got scissors for hands." <laughs> And like, nobody likes him because he's different. And she's like, okay, but when does the killing start? And I was like, what? And I said, she's like, it's a horror movie, right? And I said, no, it's like a kind of like a romantic dramedy. emo movie, kind of. Yes. And she she was, her mind was blown. She was like, well, with a name like Edward Scissorhands, you just think it's horror. And I said, well, Clara, that's a a really good point. Um, But no, but no, he's very sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint you. So now she wants to watch it. Um, Anyway, so Clara was Clara Scissorhands. And she would just have the problem with her is she thought all of it was very important. She mm-hmm. didn't want any of it thrown away because to her, it was all in progress of yeah. being made into something else. So I used to, you know, she always had like a little crafting area and every house she's lived in. And so that we've lived in and I've always had to be like, Clara, you're just going to have to do something about little scraps of paper because yeah. they're making me mad. And, um, with it little tiny things for Clara, it was littlest pet shop. And then I have a memory of Polly pocket. I don't remember if it was Clara who was into Polly pocket or like, 
I actually think I used to buy those for Jake and Isaac. Um, their cousin, their female cousins were super into them mm -hmm. and they would all play with them together. So, I mean, not like I was super gendered in buying toys anyway, but that was one I remember buying like specifically a yeah. very girly toy specifically for the boys. And you would just find like tiny rubber shoes, mm -hmm. tiny rubber coats. And I never minded the kids mixing because I know like it is a thing that developmentally it's good to mix. Like you want toys that are open-ended. Right. That's a thing. Yeah. Right. And you want toys that can be, that aren't so specific. It can be used together. But for me, it was finding the pieces or stepping on them. Yeah. It was kind of like the way I'm triggered by throw pillows on the and floor. Yeah. blankets on the floor. It was like that, but tiny. And yeah. I just got really good about throwing stuff. Yeah. Away. You, I remember like, you telling me this years ago, probably on the podcast that your sister had told you to just sweep it into the yes. dustpan and throw it away. And I, yes. I still have a hard time doing that. Cause I think, Oh man, I could just take this Barbie shoe down the hall into the bin where the Barbie yeah. shoes go. It's like, it still kills me a little bit inside. I don't, I don't know why. Cause yeah, Catherine's right. Just sweep it into the dustpan, well, throw it away. And a lot of those little toys are so disposable. Yeah. Like they're not particularly expensive. The kid's not probably going to know they're missing this one shoe or if they are, you know, too bad. So sad. You left it yeah. on the floor. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So I did a lot of just throwing away and, yeah. and the more I did it, the better it started to feel like it started to, get, it was like a little rush. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, we're going to launch right in with perhaps the most foundational mess category, (laughs) and that is bodily fluids in early motherhood. Don't worry, we also have a bodily fluids in later motherhood (laughs) coming in part two later in the show. Here's the thing. This is so ubiquitous because even if someone's listening to this and they haven't even had their baby yet, Mm -hmm. they've probably already had some kind of bodily fluid related to the fact that they're pregnant. Like it's like, it starts before the baby even comes out. Yes. And then it just keeps going. And for a really long time, unless you like had a unique, you know, career or job situation or maybe a medical issue, you probably just have never dealt with as many bodily fluids as you do when you're a new mom. Like unless, unless you're a nurse or you're, you know, you work in some, capacity. I mean, we, it just, it doesn't cross your path. And then all of a sudden it's all the time. So I thought we could share some funny stories, but obviously we're talking about spit up. We're talking about diaper blowouts. We're talking about drool and barf. And have I missed any? I mean, this is just like in the well, first leaky year boobs. or so. I mean, oh yeah. Leaky boobs. Yeah. Yes. Your own, your own leaking yeah. of various kinds, <laughs> various fluids. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Postpartum night sweats. That's a, that's a fun one. Ugh. Um, so wait, you said you, you already said poop. Vomit. Yeah. Spit up, which I think of Spit as up, different. Which is than different. Vomit. Yeah. yeah. Rest milk. Pee, like being um, peed on. Pee. Oh, yeah. Feels like, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely other forms of blood and mucus in there somewhere. How, how, old, how far had you gotten into motherhood before you got peed on? So I had a girl first, and then, I mean, I didn't have the, the, the thing you always hear with boys where they just like, pee on you the second the diaper yes. comes off. I didn't really have yeah. that experience for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, I'm just remembering more leaky diapers, leaky, mm-hmm. leaky diapers. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, being peed on like right before or after a bath, you know, I mean, it just yep. happens, but they're so tiny though. It doesn't feel quite as gross initially. Um, yeah. but I thought I would share one memory in particular, and I didn't think about this until I started prepping this episode. I would wear my babies in, in the Moby wrap um, and if you've used a Moby, I know there's different ones now, but it's really snug to your chest. It's that long piece of stretch. Yeah. They're right fabric. up against so they're cleavage. right up yep. against you there. It's like kangaroo. Like it's like you're pregnant with them again, almost. Um, and mine were always really snug in there. And I wore for the first six months, especially with babies, number two and three, I wore them around the house all the time in the Moby. They took most of their naps in there and I could deal with the older kids, but I had spitty Reed, especially was a really spitty baby. So the, the routine would go, I'd feed him, I'd burp him, I'd change him. And then he'd be ready for a long sleep in the Moby. And so I'd get him all in there. And inevitably there was like a, a second burp or a second spit up that hadn't happened yet. Like the delayed one that's like 20 minutes after they eat and I'd feel it. And he would, he would have like a huge spit up in my cleavage. Cause they're so close up to you. And I'd already be kind of sweaty cause it's hot and they're like right up against yep. you. And I think I'm not going to unwrap this Moby. He's going to sleep for right. three hours. It's kind of a thing, like getting I the Moby mean, off. It's yeah, a exactly. Project. Oh, it is a total project. So I would just be like, well, I guess here we are for this nap for the next two and a half hours. It's a sweaty baby against my sweaty cleavage with sticky spit up in between. And I would just walk around like that for like two hours yep. until they woke up. So that is one that just now thinking of that, like it's so gross, but at the same time, doesn't like, it kind of like almost make you like shiver a yes, little bit thinking about it? Yes. yes. But like, those are the choices you make to get it, to get a break, to get a baby to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. I would have had to take him out, wake him up, change both of our clothes. Like that just wasn't going to happen. 
So that was one. And then my other just memory is I had both Reed and Violet occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally as toddlers would throw up in the night kind of for no reason. So this is older than spit up. It was definitely vomit. And maybe Mm -hmm. they were working through a tummy bug or something upset them. But I think it was Reed more. But Violet definitely occasionally, and I don't know if you had toddlers who did this, and this is like one and two-year-old ages, where they would sleep right through it, and they weren't otherwise sick. They didn't have a fever. They weren't crying. It was just like a one-and-done barf. But I would go in in the morning thinking I was coming into a happy baby who'd slept all night, and I'd open the door, and the whole room would smell like vomit. I'd be like, oh, my God, what happened Where did this? And And then then, sometimes they'd roll in it. Oh, they'd totally roll in it. It would be in their hair, and then it's, like, down the side of the crib, and you're like, how did we miss this? Like, how did you not wake up through this? And I'm not saying that happened all the time, but maybe half a dozen times between those kids. And it's like, it's a very weird feeling to be like, because we all know what it's like to be up with a barfing kid. That's different. This is yes. like, wait, how did we all miss this? You just slept through it and then rolled in right. it. And here we are. It's so gross. I think that there, I do think that there are some kids who are just pukey, yeah. like that they, maybe they coughed really hard and puked or yeah. something, or yeah, like you could be right. It, that happened to us several times. And the weird thing is that that was not something that with all of my kids ended in toddlerhood. I had kids who did that well into their like elementary school years where they would throw up and just go back right, right back to sleep. And I didn't even know. So gross. Can you imagine throwing up in the night and going back to, and And then just being like, meh. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course I can't. Like for me, throwing up takes hours because I try to fight it so hard. And like, right. It's like a whole thing. There's no way it's uh, like escaping my notice, right? right? right. <laughs> so oh my it's traumatic. Gosh. Okay. So what are uh, your bodily fluid memories? There's so many. Honestly, like there's so many that it becomes like this long run-on situation where I can't separate a lot of them out. But yeah. I do have a very specific memory of the first time I got thrown up on, not spit up on, mm-hmm. like legit throw up. Um, Jacob was about 11 months old. And it's funny, I have photos of him in his, like he'd gotten a new car seat. He'd outgrown his old car seat mm-hmm. and he'd gotten a new one. And so I have pictures of him like looking super cute in his new car and his new, and we didn't have, this was, you know, 21 years ago, it was 22 almost. So we didn't have like digital cameras even. Yeah. So it was like film I developed later of him looking super adorable and all put together. And John and I took him to Kroger, which is like grocery store mm-hmm. here and pull him out. And he projectile vomited like everywhere. And we just stood there and we're like, it took us, I mean, it was one of those where I don't think it got on both of us. Whoever was, I think it got on me. John was holding him and then Uh he just kind of held him out, you know, and like the puke happened everywhere. And then we kind of looked at each other. We're like, like, guess we don't go shopping now. Like, what do we do? We, like, we didn't even know what to do next. It was, it was so, uh, it was just like an initiation into that stage, like like that toddler stage. And we're both like, what What? happened? Um, I have a funny story about my mom. (laughs) <laughs> she, um, when I was a little baby was sick. Like the whole family was sick. This story got told a lot. So sometimes I wonder like how much it was embellished, but, um, my brother remembers it. So my brother, John is four years older than me. And I was an infant, like uh-huh. maybe six, seven months old. And my mom was changing my disgusting sick diaper, yeah. you know, which is yeah. gross. And my brother climbed up on her back and threw up on her. <laughs> so she's sick. She's got a four-year-old clinging to her back who threw up on her and she's trying to change like a disgusting diarrhea baby diaper. What would you even do? You would just like sit down in it all and cry. I, that's what, I think the way she described it is like she just took everyone's clothes off and like put 
me and Je- uh, John in the bathtub and yeah. I guess probably cried. Yeah. And then went back to bed. I don't like, I think about oh, that and it's so gosh. triggery just yeah. to even think about it. Oh my gosh. And my brother was a, he was apparently by all, by all accounts, quite a, a feisty little guy. Oh. So he probably, you know, made it worse yeah. by like laughing or who knows. <laughs> I've got, if I just wanted to have a whole story about my brother throwing up and making messes, I probably could do that, but, um, I'll, I will refrain. Um, <laughs> I did get really superstitious about diaper blowouts because some of my babies really had a lot of blowouts and some didn't. And I would try to like crack the code. Like, is mm. it the size of their butt? Is it like <laughs> the shape of their, their crack. waist, the shape of their crack, honestly? <laughs> or is it like, because the diaper, some babies, like their waist is too small and you can't get the, it tight enough mm. or their butt's not big enough to slow it down. Like their cheeks aren't big enough. I mean, was it like the skinny babies? I couldn't figure that out. Um, I also had the, I had a theory that Fresh diaper blowouts are messiest, maybe because there's no pee in the diaper to like soak any of oh, the, like, or, like when they slow just it down. On, oh, that's probably true, actually. Yeah. yeah. Or it hasn't and like s- melded to their little body yet. Yeah. If you just put so it on. So I would, if I was home, I would just put the diaper on the baby and wait because I had this feeling like, mm-hmm. also, I feel like there's some babies who just really like to poop in a fresh diaper. <laughs> yeah. The best, like to them, that's super fun. So I wouldn't <laughs> even bother putting on pants because I had so many moments where the minute I put their, you know, legs in their onesie or whatever. Um, or in their sleeper, they'd poop again. And then I'd have to wash that sleeper. And you, you know, you had the ones that were like your favorite and they uh-huh. had the perma yellow stain, oh, yeah. like right above the diaper. Did and you you're ever like, well, take... put a cute sweater on it. Maybe. <laughs> Did you ever take photos of like the, the stain itself? Like, like before you took it off, like I definitely have pictures and I, I guess I took them just because it was impressive, but like the ones that go all the way up the back, like it's like to the baby's like collarbone practically like or not collarbone like right. their, their, their shoulder bone at the back um I definitely have photo evidence I of probably a couple, have couple oh that great sticky mm-hmm. sticky yellow like looks mm-hmm. like pudding or something mm-hmm. Ugh. um and one other okay so here's a question for you that has to do with poop and this is slightly older baby poop did you have any bathtub poopers uh yes but few and far between and I could usually like see when it was about to happen I didn't have any kids who yeah. just routinely pooped in the bath it was like the occasional oopsie, but it's such a, it's like poop in the bath at the end of a long day of motherhood is like insult to injury. So demoralizing. It's so demoralizing. So mine, two of my five were bathtub poopers. The rest <laughs> of them never pooped in the tub, not once, but two of them did it pretty regularly. And my kids bathed together for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So it'd be usually the older sibling that would be like, mom, and they come running in and it's like, there's a poop. And it's like floating around because this was, they were always older. They didn't do it as much when they were really little. Maybe they just didn't spend as much time in the bath. I would right. get them in and get them out. Um, and so it, there's this like turd floating around. Oh. And then you're like, what do I even do? You know, now I got to like fish it out. I got to like throw all the toys away throw or all like the toys away or sanitize them. Yeah. them. I have to let the water out of the tub and now rinse the kids down with like rinse the whole bath and wash the bath and now like either put them in a clean bath or rinse them down with the shower head. It was like the one thing that was supposed to make my life easier. Yep. The bathtub mm-hmm. would occasionally turn on me. Yes. And It'd become be a that sinister, much horrible <laughs> yes. thing. So, oh, oh, oh man, that was, that was really cathartic, but also painful. I'm sure we're going to gonna get great, epic, <laughs> epic stories. Um, before we move on really quick, I have to say on the car seat thing, because you said Jacob threw up right after you got him out of his brand new car seat, but throw up or poop or pee, but especially throw up in a car seat where it's in the inner workings. Oh, cracks. 
One time I disassembled an entire car seat because I had to, because it was all, it was everywhere, like everywhere in the cracks. And then I was at home by myself. I was at home by myself a lot. Like my husband worked and traveled a lot in those days. And I thought to myself, I don't think I'm going to be able to put this back together. Cause if you've ever tried to thread straps, it's like, you need a, like a a advanced degree to do that. And I'm really bad spatially with that kind of thing. And I somehow did it. I, I somehow reconstructed that car seat, but it didn't even occur to me. That would be a problem. I was like, I have to take this entire thing apart. And then I was like, Oh no, I can never leave my house again. Cause I can't put it back together. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh. Okay. Well, our next category is a little bit older kid um, and probably simpler, but that is just spills. There are once mm. Once your kids are out of bottles and sippy cups and they're also out of your immediate reach all the time, you know, you know, you could have spills with a one year old because they'll reach and knock something across the table. But I'm talking about your three to eight year olds, especially the ones who, you know, don't have lids on their cups anymore and who might pour their own milk from the fridge and are getting more independent. Um, And I, I guess what I'll say about spills is I've had to really learn how to react and not overreact and not yell at a kid. Um, I think my Mm -hmm. biggest trigger with spills is I can see when it's about to happen. Violet especially is just a wiggly, wild little thing. And I'll be like, hey, don't, you know, don't wave your arm like that. Hey, move your cup against the, uh, away from the edge of the table. Hey, and why, why do little kids always have to have their cup right right at the edge of the table? By their elbow, by their elbow. (laughs) And it's like, I'll say something and she'll get very defensive. Like, like, you know, it's like, don't tell me that. And then of course it spills. And I, I have a very hard time not being like, I told you so, like, so in our family, you know, the, the rule is it doesn't matter. You, you don't say whose fault it was. You don't like cry or make a big deal of it. You just get up and get a rag. And so I have had to work with the kids, but they do now. Like if anything spills, you're supposed to just jump into action. We can talk about why it happened later, but like just jump up and get a rag. And, and they do now. So it's better now. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of spills. Yeah. And I mean, that is also bringing back because like I had a decade that felt just like one long spill, you know? Um, and it was when I had a lot of little kids, like, you know, like 12 and under. So often my arms would be full with one baby or toddler and I would see it just like you're describing. Like I would see all the things leading up to the spill happening. And then the maddening moment where nobody does anything except either point fingers at each other blame, or sit there and just blankly stare at the spill. And I'd be like, someone's got to get something, you know? And I, I would go into this really weird, calm voice that probably terrified my children more than yelling (laughs) when something like that would happen. My voice would just drop and I'd be like, okay, someone needs to get the paper towels. I don't see anyone jumping into action. Why is no one doing anything? And so it would become this sort of detached voice. When I go back and watch like videos um, of my kids being crazy and loud and I hear myself talking in the background. I so often am in this like, like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It, It sounds like I'm asleep. Like it sounds like I've been hypnotized. And I'm just like, okay. It sounds kind of like I'm on some kind of mom pill. <laughs> put that, but I'm not. I just think that was how I would force myself to not escalate. Yeah, it was very. Everyone's wise. already yelling and yeah. yeah, pointing fingers, and I would just be like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do now. And I mean, I still like spills happen so infrequently now, unless it's me. We we should do a whole episode yes. on how we're beverage spillers. Yeah. I'm spilling all the time. Um, but my kids don't spill nearly as much anymore. But when I think back to that, how that felt and like, like the why of all the things already happening in my life, all the yes. things I'm trying to juggle, all the things I'm trying to accomplish. Why does there have to be a spill? Yeah. Too? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It's <sighs> again, it's like insult to injury, like poop in the bath. Um, yep. Well, you told a story about your mom and your growing up. So now I have a spill one briefly about ours. And my mom reminded me of this uh, recently, but we were listing or selling our house. And so we were trying to keep it clean all the time. And my brother was probably like 10 or something. And he went running down the hallway with a smoothie, like a berry smoothie in a cup mm-hmm. and tripped. <laughs> and oh, it was down no. a long carpeted hallway. So if you oh, can just no. picture like, you know, the speed and velocity of a 10 year old boy, um, then throwing a full smoothie cup and it basically like bouncing within a contained hallway area. So it was ceiling carpet walls, berry goodness. So she reminded me of that one. And then similarly, when Allegra was two and a half, probably she was trying to help, wanted to help and was carrying a bowl of chili. Why did I let her do that? Maybe she was four or five, maybe Violet, someone was a baby. So maybe Violet was a baby. So maybe she was like five. That makes more sense than two. Um, and she was carrying a bowl to Brian. He'd come home from work for lunch and she tripped and fell and, or she dropped it straight down. And it was like the chili spattered up to the ceiling. It was like a volcano of chili. And we had it like on, on the ceiling. (laughs) Yeah. So there have been some impressive, that's more than your just average milk glass of milk spill. Yes. That is, that is something else. The thing is that would probably be me doing that kind of major (laughs) spill. So like, I, I couldn't tell you one, like off the top of my head because I spill, I still spill stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm a spiller. That's yeah, okay. it that'll be for, that'll be it for another episode. Um, <laughs> well, before we break, let's talk about, um, arts and craft messes because we both alluded to this earlier with Clara's cutting and read scissor hands. Um, but if you are listening to this and you only have babies and toddlers, your craft time is either non-existent or it's heavily parent controlled. Um, but I feel like we both have some examples of, uh, more independent, creative kids. Do you want to share some? Sure. Um, well, there's so many of these messes from, again, from that, like that decade or so, I almost feel like I've blocked them (laughs) or they just all run together. I remember like silly putty getting everywhere always. And Uh I had to throw quite a few things out or like use scissors to cut pieces of dried silly putty. And at some point I just should have stopped getting it. I don't know why, but I would, (laughs) it was always like in the kids Easter baskets and I'm like, Oh, silly putty is so fun. It's so silly. And then I would just regret the silly putty forever. Um, Play-Doh is like that too, but it doesn't, it's not as destructive. Yeah. Like Play-Doh, you can usually get out of stuff and Silly Putty is really difficult. But one memory I have when Jake and Isaac were really little, they were playing with their cousins, Aaron and Cecily. And thank goodness this did not happen in my house. It was in my sister's house. Um, and they decided to make a skating rink, they called it, <laughs> in Aaron and Cecily's bedroom. It was baby powder, oh. glitter, and water. <gasps> oh. All over the floor. My gosh. Oh my and gosh. And my sister... L- <laughs> lived in this old house with like wide plank wood floors with the big cracks yes. in between them and like cracks in the yeah. wood floor, like yeah. in the oh planks. Oh my gosh. And it was one of those where I was like, seriously, what were you thinking? Like, why would you ever, I want to say they were like, the boys were maybe like two and four or three and five. And the girls were old enough to yeah. like, probably know better, like five and eight. Uh-huh. And I mean, none of them were old enough to know, know better, obviously, or they wouldn't have done it. Right. But like, whose idea was this? Oh my Who's gosh. devious. And, and just imagine what happens when you add baby powder, glitter and water together. It turns into like cement. I, I can't even, I can't <laughs> even imagine. Like, they had a grand time and they still talk about it. Like they talk about that. Like it was the best day of their lives. 
And my sister finally moved. She had to, no, just kidding. She didn't move because of that. But to the day that she, when she was moving out, there was still. Oh, I'm sure. That floor. I'm sure. Oh my (sighs) gosh. Well, the, the, the one story that comes to mind for me, and I know it like you, I just have a general memory of just sticky glue and glitter. And I've always kind of tried to avoid glitter, but it, it works its way in. And then just tiny pieces of paper, you know, like the backings to stickers. It's like stickers. Okay. That's fun and not yep. that messy, but then you just find the little kind of vinyly backings everywhere. Um, so lots of general craft messes still going on. Definitely still lots of arts and craft messes in my life. Um, but one time Allegra had, she was about six and had been given this, um, color your own um, purse. So it was like a kit and it came with fabric markers. And so normally six-year-olds don't have access to fabric markers because they're, you know, it's like Sharpies. It's they're, they're permanent and they're meant to transfer ink to fabric, which is very different than other surfaces. So somehow they'd kind of gotten into the rest of her markers and she also decided to paint her body with them. So not only was oh, she boy. using fabric markers <laughs> that in like she should have, it would have been different if she was using Crayola markers because they wash off really easily, but she shouldn't have been drawing on her body anyway, but let alone with fabric markers. And she did these, I will have to share a picture with her permission because now she's 12, but she, uh, she did these like very intricate body tattoos that were almost kind of pretty all over her legs and arms. And it was soccer team picture day. And I think a recurring theme here is I had a baby and a toddler. Most of these stories seem to be happening like when I had three little kids and the bath. I mean, they didn't wash off like they they it was like it would have like been similar to Sharpie. So that was just a little self. And she was such a rule follower that she just was not the kid that I ever expected that from. So the few times that it was something like that, it was like, wait, what? Like, what, what were you thinking? But you I know. count on you to not be that kid. Yeah, the kid who draws all over their body with permanent markers on picture day. But it was so, so funny. just as an aside question, do you feel any kind of way about kids drawing on themselves in general? My mom was very against it. Like she would freak out if we draw. She just had a few things that were like yeah. super triggery for her and drawing on yourself was one. And I don't remember why. Like, I don't know if it was a health thing. Like she thought the ink was bad for you yeah. or if it was like, she didn't like how it looked or a hassle. I don't really remember. And so I've really tried not to carry that forward to an excessive degree because I think kids really do like to mark themselves. Yeah, they do. But I will say that like uh, William loves to draw on himself and he'll come home and his friends would have run like written dumb things on his arms at school. Yeah. And I have to kind of like tone down my reaction, which is to be like, that's like mutilating yourself. Yeah. Why are you doing like, don't do that. It'll never come off. And then I think, well, it will come it's off. It's fine. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's, I would say it's like triggering in an annoying way to me, like violet, violet colors on herself all the time. And I've asked yeah. her not to, and she does that on the palm of her hand a lot, which then sometimes means she puts her hands on something and like, yes, it transfers, even Makes if it's just yep. like ballpoint pen or something. So, I mean, but I, it's not a hill that I've gonna die on like I'll look over and I'll be like why why are you doing that there's why? Pa- why? there's paper right. in front of you like right there please but it's not yeah so it's it is a little annoying to me but I haven't like created a hard and fast rule and especially high school ages I feel like I drew on my clothes and my shoes a lot in yeah. high school it just must be a, a thing my back you, know, you know they're like it's self-expression yeah 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 so. all right I'm working on it Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Hyo was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Hyo's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. All right, moving on a little bit into the the more current years of where we are in motherhood. We're just going to talk about clutter and kid mm. stuff everywhere. And I think where where you start to notice this is where your kids start to have possessions that are outside of your control or purview. They yes. have their they have that you mentioned Clara and her artwork being really important to her and. You know, it might start as young as three or four, but definitely by the elementary school years, kids have opinions about their things. And then by the middle school years, they just have a lot of stuff. And depending on the size of your home and like what kind of storage you have, I just feel like I'm going to turn it over to you, Megan. But for me, it's just like it's kind of it's like annoying background noise. Like I wish I could have a less cluttered home, but I am never quite sure this is a living, breathing, dynamic thing, a home with growing children. Right. So it's never going to like, you're not going to be able to pause and be like, okay, now everything is in its place, but I wish. Right. Yeah. It never, that does not happen. Yes. No, it doesn't happen. There's no such thing as being done with clutter. Like it just, there's always more. Um, I will say this has gotten better in our house, uh, as the kids have gotten older, um, except for the aforementioned socks, wrappers and things like (laughs) that. Like the kids have gotten better about corralling the majority of their stuff in their own rooms. And I will say Clara has gotten really good. Like she's, she's not a good cleaner. She's too emotionally attached to her stuff. And it is really overwhelming for her to like deep clean, Mm -hmm. but she's much better at at least keeping 
Her art stuff now stays in her bedroom. That's where her easel is and her dry erase board, which she likes to draw little funny things on. And she just doesn't have as much spread anymore as she and did she for cares, a long time. It sounds like she cares about her stuff. Which she is, does. So yes. I feel like some kids do and some kids don't, but that makes some a kids big don't. difference. Yeah. The, and, and there's no toy playing in my house anymore. So nobody right. really has toys. And that makes a huge difference. Um, for me now, the one that's becoming more difficult to corral are the shared things that like the boys. So the boys play games together. They play mm-hmm. games on the Xbox and they play games on their computers. And like, there's all this stuff that goes with that, like uh. mouses and keyboards and controllers and batteries. <laughs> and like those little, there's these little pads you put your computer on so they don't overheat. If you're gaming really hard, okay. if you're like, you know, raging really, or whatever they really call it, grinding. It. <laughs> yeah. So I'll come into the, like into the dining room and everyone's taken their computers, but they've left their chargers. They left their mouses. Uh-huh. They've left the, the pads on the table. And I have to keep saying like, that's not what the dining room is for you guys. If you keep doing that, you're going to have to find a different place to set up because yeah. I don't want to look at this. It's not. And, and like, we're like just piles of batteries. I don't know if they're dead batteries. Yeah. I don't know if they're it's rechargeable. When you, when you don't know about the stuff, it makes it harder right. to to contribute to the cleaning. I think that's a really and nor good point. do I care. Right. I don't really want to know. So <laughs> it's it's like I just have little baskets and things where if I see that stuff, I just dump it all in there and I stick it in a corner. And it helps to have a bigger house now. But yeah. um those that's the kind of stuff that I have the hardest time keeping corralled. So I do have a question for you. Yeah. You just moved and the last time you moved, your kids were in a completely different stage of life. Mm-hmm. So were you able to like eliminate any categories? Yeah. Like you got a dumpster. Yeah. Was there yes. anything that you just wasn't a deal? Like well, you were able to finally go, oh, wow, we just don't need this anymore. Like last time I moved, um, not this last time, but the time before it was our Lego table where uh-huh. I finally realized like no one is playing with Legos enough yeah. that I need to keep this. And we'd been carrying it, like moving it from house to house for, I guess, like 15 years at yeah. that point. And that was my, a mind blower. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were a few things. Um, so dress up, we really pared down. I am saving some things for my nieces, but, um, I still like to have, I still have visions of the kids putting on a play in the garage or something. And I still love having a dress up collection, but we really were able to pare it down. Um, I know on the podcast, we've talked about those big cardboard blocks, like that are in a kindergarten classroom that are like the large cardboard ones that you can stack up and make like a whole fort. We did part with those, which was sad because you know, there was such a good, they're a good play thing, but they take up a lot of space because they are large and in charge. Yeah. Um, we got rid of all of our play food, all of our pretend food. I had gotten rid of the play kitchen a while back, but I'd kept the food because they'd still, somebody would still make believe, you know, have a picnic or a restaurant or something. So got rid of that. So quite a few categories of make believe we still have Legos. Um, Oh, puzzles. That was another one. So a lot of little kid puzzles. Um, and then we still have, you know, what I would say older kid through adult jigsaw puzzles, but the bigger ones that go on the floor, or, you know, have bigger pieces. So quite a few categories of stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting is the old house and the new house have pretty small bedrooms. And so my kids have never really had large bedrooms like ever in yeah. any houses. We have a lot more other space in this new house, but the bedrooms are quite small. So they don't have a lot of space to just let the stuff take over. Um, and then, yeah. you know, we, I, I still held on to some things that probably were outgrowing, but being here where my parents live, I also can think ahead to my nieces coming to visit yeah. and stuff like that. Keeping something like a few things were like, okay, we won't get rid of this, but we'll keep it at Mormon and grandpa's in their storage area, you know, for the cousins or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny when, when I, my kids all moved out of that stage 
or those stages. And I got finally got rid of everything. How weird it was to have friends who then had babies. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really have that many, but like my friend Liz has a two year old Mm -hmm. and for her to come over and me to realize like, I don't have anything to give her to play with. Like I'm Mm -hmm. out of that kind of thing. Or like, um, some friends of mine with a five-year-old came over to use our pool last week. And the little boy kept saying, where are your pool toys? And I thought he meant like noodles. And we have a right. ton of like floaties and noodles. It's like, oh, we have so many. And I said, they're all in that, in that room. He's like, no, no, no. Like your pool toys. Where are your Aww. pool toys? And I said, I don't remember know what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, his dad was like, oh no, he, his other friend that he plays with in, with a pool in a pool with, um, just has like a big box of like matchbox trucks and stuff that uh-huh. they just dump in the pool. I was like, oh, I don't have that stuff anymore. Like, no, <laughs> you're just going to have to play with a noodle and figure it out. Um, yeah. So it is kind of funny. Like for so long, I just took for granted that no matter what aged kid came over, I would have something to give them to play with. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. if you're like under the age of 10, you're kind of out of luck. Nope. Yeah, house. Don't go to Megan's house with your nope. young children. That's yep. really funny. Um, I, I guess like a final thought on kid clutter as they get older is it feels like it's never going to be exactly as contained as I want it to be. Right. Um, but, you know, there are there are ways I feel like the kids can start to take a little bit more ownership of their stuff. Yeah. And yeah, their entire like you can have rules around that and you can have mm-hmm. a routine built into your day when it's like everybody walk around and grab all your stuff yeah, for 15 minutes. Like yep. let's everything that's yours, grab it. And sometimes I'll help a little bit by arranging all the stuff that I know isn't mine mm-hmm. in like one area, but then it's like, take it. And if, if you don't take it and do something with it, then I'm going to take it and do something with it. And that means it's going to go. Yes, crash. exactly. So, and I, yeah. I just had this memory of my mom probably in the same phase, just being overwhelmed by all our stuff and kind of giving us a time window after which anything that was left out, um, we had to buy back from her. So she'd oh, take it. So and then, then we had to buy it back. And she, we always had enough time. It would be like, Hey, right. we're, you know, by the, by tomorrow morning, whatever's not in your room put away is mine and you can buy it back for me if it's important to you. That's very smart. That's <laughs> brilliant. Know. It sounds like something. I don't remember if that was like the rule always. It feels like it was just right. a thing she tried, but I remember it. So must've worked, I guess. Yep. Um, I love it. So, well, let's um, revisit the topic of bodily fluids and oh, see if we, may we? <laughs> if we have any, um, you can start because I know what you're going to say here, but later on as kids get older, Somehow we can't totally avoid bodily fluid messes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I actually have one that kind of ties in with what I think your one is going to be as well. But I will just say, you know, for growing boys um, sharing Mm. bathrooms, I've talked about this before, like the amount of pee everywhere that pee wasn't supposed to be for a solid 10 years of my life was just ridiculous. There was just Mm -hmm. pee everywhere. They've mostly gotten better. And now I can kind of tell which, which of the kids are bad, like which of the kids don't aim. Um, and it wasn't who I thought it was. And so I've been able to kind of just by process of elimination by which kids would use bath or use which bathrooms and which ones tend to be around more than others. I've been able to kind of nail it down. Um, but like I told you, I think on the show before, the boys used to be so impatient to go to the bathroom. They would try to pee at the same time. Yes. And then their streams would bounce off of each other and oh go gosh. all over the wall and all over the back of the toilet and all over the floor. I will say... I, they have their own bed, bathroom. Um, and I go in there about once a week and just do a deep clean on it. Like they're supposed to keep it tidy, but I'll just go in there and kind of, you know, yeah. wipe, really wipe it down and bleach and stuff. And it's not bad. They've really yeah. sort of gotten a, sort of gotten a handle on it ish. 
That's what I'm like going to say. They're ready to, you know, be roommates at least if not, yes. um, if not yeah. partners. <laughs> they're definitely not perfect. Um, and they still do dumb things like, you know, leave the cap off the shampoo and have it like upside down and you find yeah. like a puddle of whatever in, yeah. the, in the bathtub. Like it's just dumb stuff, the stuff where they're just being sloppy and yeah. they're just not taking the time. Um, but it's, it's gotten so much better. Yeah. So yeah. what about you? Well, um, I was going to briefly mention kids throwing up when, as they get older and just how, what a game changer it is when they can aim and yeah. puke in a bowl. And it, it seems, I think maybe we mentioned this in a milestones episode or something, but it feels like you've unlocked some kind of achievement when your youngest yes. child can puke in a bowl. It's like the whole family could get a stomach bug and it's no longer the amount of laundry that it once was. It is some laundry, but it is not the mountains of laundry that it right. once was. So yeah. that's just sort of a little off aside, but I do have one funny story involving a slightly older child and a bodily fluid that we have not featured much yet oh, today. Gosh. And that is okay. blood, blood. Oh, fun. Um, okay. So again, in this apparent year of my life where there was a lot of messes, I had a like five, three and newborn and I was going to the grocery store in, in the minivan and I got to the parking lot and right as I pulled into the parking lot, Allegra had a bloody nose, just, just spontaneously. And it scared her. I mean, she kind of started to cry. She was about five. And it was all over the the seatbelt, which had been kind of across her chest and then all over the front of her shirt. And I, I don't remember how we stopped the bleeding. It didn't last very long, but the mess was pretty like impressive, like a lot of yeah. blood all over down the front of her. And I, I needed to go to the grocery store. Like I, I didn't want to turn around and drive 10 minutes home and change. And then, you know, you got babies napping and crying and feeding, like all of these things entering my mind. So I told her to turn her shirt around and wear it backwards. And now when I think about that, I don't know if I, if, if she was upset about having a bloody shirt. So I was trying to placate her or if for some reason I thought this would be better, but basically it looked like she had like a wound in her back. It looks like she'd been stabbed in the back. That's exactly what it looked like. So we go marching through Trader Joe's, like everything's normal. And she looks like she's been stabbed in the back. So that was really, that was a winner. But it again, it speaks to the decision making. Just like leaving. It's not even a normal place to have a, like a bleeding wound. (laughs) No. You know what I mean? Like a knee would be like a knee, a bloody knee or something would be one thing. But oh my gosh, it's so funny. But it just similar to the spit up baby in the Moby rap. Right. It seems like such a gross decision. But when you're in, when, when the calculus that goes into your motherhood decision making involves like babies and infants and toddlers yeah. and all that. You're like, oh, fine. Just walk through the store with just walk through. Yeah. With back. Like the, the, the mom calculus going on in your head. It made it make sense. Yeah. And, and then later you're like, well, wait like a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have just like a quick aside about yeah. throwing up. And I'm just very curious if anyone's um, any listeners have had anything like this. But Will, when he was about six years old, we went out to eat at a he always kind of had a sensitive stomach. And we went out to eat at this, like, I want to say it was a, a buffet or something. And he gorged himself. And I, I don't know if it was just he overate or if he was sick or what, but he threw up in the restaurant bathroom. Okay. And then after that, he got this like complex about throwing up when he, when we went to restaurants and oh. every time we went to a restaurant for at least a year, he threw up. And oh, it, really? It got, yes. It, it got to the point where we would know it was going to happen. He would just like, he kind of he would look at me across the, and I know he was little enough to go in the, the women's bathroom with me. So he would, he couldn't have been more than six. He was like five or six. And he would look across the table at me and just kind of like nod. And I'm like, okay. And we would go in the bathroom and he would throw up. 
And then, and it was every time. And it, for whatever reason, it was during a period of time we were traveling a lot. So like we couldn't uh-huh. really get away from eating in restaurants. It was just happening all the time. And um, it became so like, he wasn't sick. It was a totally like a psychosomatic thing where he would, when we were in a restaurant specifically, not at home, he would throw up. That and is it, fascinating. I know. And it lasted a long time, like over a year. And I just got used to it. it. It's so funny what you can get used to as a mom. Like, yeah. And John and I would just be like, I'd say, okay, you know, today I've got Claire in my lap. So if I was holding her and I got the look from Will, I'd say, John, it's time for Owen to, or William to go to the bathroom. Oh and it gosh. was just part of the routine. I mean, you hear about like performers and people who throw up every time before they go on stage. Like it's yes. like a nervous ritual and it happens yeah. and it's, and you definitely hear of people who, you know, have a sensitive enough stomach that, that nerves or, or anything yeah. that's sort of, um, social emotional, but can trigger that response. I mean, I, I believe it. It's just, that's so specific. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's and it. And it was like, he had just gotten himself psyched out that he, yeah. that restaurants equal throwing up. And so for him, it totally did. Oh. That is really know. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure there are other bodily fluids that come we with could go on <laughs> but we'll just leave it there yeah. um okay final category you came up with this one because it it hadn't been touched upon yet and we're calling it property destruction or devious intentional messes i it's mean like willful willful yes. messes it's yes. like you and and i think another running theme through this one is the kids were quiet for a while and then we realized why it's also that kind of mess. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think your skating rink example probably falls into this category as, as well. I don't think that felt a little less destructive because I don't think they meant to just make a mess. I think they thought that they were doing something really. It was a project. Yeah. Right. It was a project. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you're up, you, you can, you can tell your property destruction story. Okay. So this story definitely is along the lines of like, the kids were so quiet and then we looked and guess what happened. And this was during a stage when all of my siblings had kids, like they all, we all had a kid in the same year, by the way. So like three Owen, Quinn, Jack, and then, um, Allie, who's the only girl in that little group were all born the same year. And Allie would always hang with the girls. But so there's a little boy, there's like this little boy troop. And then William was about a year and a half older than the three of the three little boy troop. And they were about two and a half, three, I want to say. And so then William was like, you know, four, four and a half, five. Um, And so we all were at my Aunt Paula's house and um, she does not have children. I mean, she is gracious enough to let us invade her space once a year. And and we're always, you know, we're, we're like, we pay attention to our kids and did when they were little, but we also didn't really have the kind of groups that got into super destructive, naughty messes. Like it just wasn't really a thing. So we didn't pay super duper close attention. And this was a case where we were all sitting around, um, whatever babies there were, I think maybe Luna was a baby at the time. Um, or Ruby, gosh, I don't even know. I'm, I'm getting them all mixed up, but there was a baby being passed around and the baby was being quiet and we were playing cards and like having fun. And poor little Will keeps coming up and tugging on my sleeve and saying, mom, I just think you should come downstairs. Well, my aunt had run a business out of her home and had this like big rolling file cabinet, but like open, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it rolls like under a desk and comes out and stuff. Okay. And it had a bunch of files, like her customer files in there. And the, the boys had destroyed it, like gone oh, in no. and pulled out entire file folders and threw them <gasps> and all the papers went up in the air. I'm sure they thought it was super fun have all these papers like exploding in the sky. And we went downstairs and my aunt was just like, well, you guys have your work cut out for you. And oh, I, I'm sure she was irate. Gosh. She didn't say that, 
So Catherine and I and Jenna sat on the floor and filed. Oh like a complete, like none of the papers were even going in the right directions. Right. There are receipts that we had to piece together with the right customer. Like oh it took forever. Gosh. And the boys, and this is the day, this is like pre computer. So everything or not pre computers, but pre pre when you, all of that stuff it, would be electronic. Was, so it was, it was papers were important. Yes. yes the, the papers, papers were, were necessary. It was a very paper-based business. And so we, yeah, we had to just, we had to piece it all back together and poor William, like, you know, that was when he earned his nickname good old reliable William, because he, he tried, he tried he to tried. tell me. Oh and I just was like, well, is anyone bleeding or hurt? He's like, no, but it probably would be a good idea. And then walking down those stairs and seeing the mess, you know, that feeling where your stomach yes. just sinks. And, oh yeah. And they probably, they were too little to, they probably knew they weren't supposed to be doing that, but they wouldn't have had any idea of the, the importance of those actual papers. No, right. They knew that was naughty. Mm-hmm. and destructive but they probably didn't they didn't think anything beyond that naughty and right. destructive not like this is someone's work that we're destroying or potentially someone's health you know like insurance situation so yeah 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 well i guess i have a couple of different examples of this i mean sweet ultraviolet we called her the home wrecker <laughs> for a reason is that property destruction is like what's the opposite of a love language like a like a anger language like an anger like, language yeah mm-hmm. Like, so her frustration always and still to this day in some ways comes out in like reckless property destruction. And when she was two and three, she I mean, she would have tantrums like kids do, but she would she'd open like a cabinet and take a take an arm and (laughs) just sweep stuff out. She'd go she'd dump things She'd just like take bins and dump them upside down and not in the curious way that a one-year-old does it, but like in like, like a Tasmanian devil, like just like a, like a rager. Um, and so that was really more of like tantruming rather than like deviousness. Um, but it, it was like, it was pretty intense. And, And I have to say it made my older kids like kind of fearful of their stuff getting wrecked. Right. Like, and it's one thing if you have a, like a innocent toddler, who's you know, just accidentally wrecks the Lego tower or whatever. But this was like willful, angry property destruction. And it went on for, you know, quite a while. So do you have a hard time? Do you have a hard time with that? Like, or did you when it happened? That's that would be a very triggery thing for me. It was trigger. Yeah, it was triggering for me, too. And and just like any child who's tantruming, like they don't want to be. I always say, like, kids don't want to be in that space. It's a very scary place to be when you feel out of control. So, mm-hmm. you know, the positive parenting side of me has empathy for the child who is in that spiral, but it's very triggering to to have your stuff wrecked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I have a story that involves a dog, but I have to tell it because it, it's that <laughs> same feeling of um, like, oh my gosh, like you walking downstairs to the story you just told. But we were dog sitting my brother's dog who was a sweet, sweet dog. And her only naughty behavior was that she would be lonely and anxious when you left her alone and she would get into trash cans, which I know like that, you know, lots of dogs do that, but I had forgotten. I, th- I forget. We, I think we usually dragged our trash can into the pantry and closed the door or something, but I forgot to do it. And I was pregnant this time, pregnant with my third baby and very nauseous already. And I came home with the two little kids two like toddlers and I was pregnant and the trash was everywhere in my kitchen. And we had had like shrimp the night before. So oh, there was like day old 
shellfish and coffee grounds and oatmeal. And I, I was already on the verge of throwing up all the time. Like I was very, very nauseous with all my pregnancies, but especially that one. And again, I'm by myself. There's nothing to do, but clean it up. Like nothing to do, but gag and hold my breath. And it was probably one of the biggest individual cleanup messes I've ever had in my life because it was so spread out everywhere. And it was so disgusting that it was like, I felt like I needed to hazmat my house. So shout out to that dog who made it into the episode about motherhood. But I just, I had to share, had to share that story. I know we're wrapping up, but I just want to leave you with this thought that has to do with dogs. (laughs) Um, Some people have dogs who are diaper eaters. And I'm just oh, going to leave it there. Oh my God. I have never had a dog that's a diaper eater, but I have had, I've lived in a house with a dog, someone else's dog. I hated that dog. Um, that was a diaper eater and it's one of the grossest things. That is I'm sure so anyone gross. listening right now who has a diaper eating dog experience knows how disgusting that, it is. Well, and you know what? Somewhere in here, I wanted to mention too, that we, I did not have any kids who got into the quote unquote fun of exploring their own poop. But that is another Mm, whole category mm, of mm. stories that, that I know parents have out there of kids taking their own diapers off and finger painting. And I, that, you know, that was just not one thing I was blessed. I didn't either, but but I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, Well, Mm. I think it's time to wrap up the grossness. Yes. No kidding. It is time. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we would love to continue the conversation in our Facebook group because I know you all have some crazy, gross stories. So be sure to head over there and request to join the group if you're not already part of it. We have about a thousand listeners in there now. I can't believe it's gotten to that size. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, and be sure to answer the questions when you request to join. Um, That's how we know that you are a listener of the podcast and that'll help us rush your, um, I don't know, approval approval through. (laughs) Yeah. I also want to let everyone know about our voices episode coming up this Friday. Um, I'm talking to Ann Halsell from Winnie. And I know, Sarah, you and I have kind of talked about this schooling issue uh, for a couple episodes in a row where we talked about the choices that people are having to make around school. But Mm -hmm. Ann has like a really great grasp on the bigger picture and how this is truly a childcare crisis and Mm -hmm. how um, daycares are stepping up to take to step in and what that kind of means for parents who can't necessarily afford daycare for a school-aged kid or aren't planning for that. It's a really Mm -hmm. good conversation. Um, I think it'll be a nice compliment to our experiences, which has been mostly from two moms who can work from home. And we know Mm -hmm. not everybody has that um, ability. So this will be a great conversation that kind of showcases that other side and the bigger and the societal issue that's going on right now, which is that parents have choices to make and responsibilities, but this is a societal, um, you know, a societal responsibility. So Yeah. So look out for that dropping Friday and we'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%.
Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 